Bibles, you can bring it out. If you have your devices, you can go with me to John chapter 8. We're going to be there spending some time in John chapter 8. Praise God. Let's pray before we start, and then I'll give you my, my verses. Just go to John chapter 8. Just hold on to that one, and then we'll journey right there. And so, Lord God, we just thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, for just allowing us to be here today together, Father, as we worship and honor your name, Lord. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to sing songs and to just praise you, Lord, for our victory this morning. Lord, we know that you're getting ready to speak, God. I ask that you use me and you speak to me, Father, and through me to your children, Father. I pray, Father God, that, that our trust, our hope, our confidence may, may solely rely on you, God. Father, any, any burdens that we may be carrying, anything that may be difficult, Lord, um, any distractions, Lord, we, 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 we give it to you this morning. Believing, Lord God, that in you there is power, in you there's freedom, in you, Father God, there is victory, Lord. And so we hold on to that victory this morning. And we thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to declare over us, Lord, and what you are preparing us for. In Jesus' name, and the church says, and the church says, you guys are awesome. But if you are writing notes this morning, I want to start off with just my title, um, my title this morning, if somebody can put a timer on for me, I know it's going to come, but I want to make sure I don't go over. Um, but if you are taking notes this morning, this is exactly how. Maybe I just turned it off by accident. I'm good with the battery. Battery's full. Battery's full, guys. But if you are writing notes this morning, I want you to write it exactly how I say it. You can put my title up. It's called Hold On and put three dots next to it. Three dots just look cool, right? It's like a pause. It's Hold On, I've Seen It. Say it with me. Say, Hold On, I've Seen It. No, you didn't. But I want you to hold on anyway. Hold on, dot, 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 I've Seen It. I was uh, talking to my niece this morning. I said, I don't know how you're going to put that image. But I love the image that she put on there. It looks, it looks awesome. You guys can't see it, of course, on Zoom, but I could. And so I can describe to you what it looks like now. But it's called the Hold On. I've seen it, but I want you to see the Hold On in two different ways. Ready? I want you to do this. Go like this. Hug yourself and say, Jesus loves me. That had nothing to do with it. But, but Hold On, I want you to picture it like Hold On as if you are grabbing something and you don't want to let it go. Hold on, I've seen it. But the other way I want you to see it as well, when I say hold on, I've seen it, I mean like wait patiently, like hold, hold. You ever hear somebody say hold your horses? Right, like hold your horses, hold on, stay right there, stay right there, don't go anywhere because I've already seen it. And I believe God wants to speak to you this morning and he's asking you to stay put. Say, look at your neighbor and say stay put. He's seen it. Say, stay put, he's seen it. And that's what Jesus wants you to do this morning. He wants you to stay right where you are because he's seen some stuff that he believes will impact your life. But he wants you to stay put. Amen? Amen. And so I want to go to John chapter 8. And prior to reading this, I just want to give you some scenarios and some events that are leading to this point um, and we're going to go all the way, and you don't have to go there right now, but we'll go all the way to like verse 31. 
So John chapter 8, verse 31. But, but Jesus wants you to hold on because he's seen some stuff. And the problem is not that he's seen some stuff. The problem is, is that oftentimes we don't see it. But he's seen some stuff. And I want to just, although the beginning of chapter 8, it's, it, it doesn't start there, right? There, there are other things happening because back then there were no such things as chapters. There were just stories that were kind of moving on along. But I want to give you some scenarios on some stuff that he saw. And this is why he spoke a little bit different and why some people wouldn't believe him. They didn't understand exactly what are you doing. But when you've seen what he has seen, then you'll speak exactly the way that he speaks. Amen? When you've seen what he has seen, you'll often speak the way that he has spoken. And a lot of people, they didn't understand him. He kind of, he spoke different. He looked different. He, 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 he approached life different, but it was all because of his experience. And if you look at the beginning of chapter 8, and you don't have to go there. We're not going to have any verses there. But, but at the beginning of chapter 8, uh, Scripture says that Jesus was teaching in the temple courts. And I want you to see what he says because of what he saw. It says that he was teaching in the temple courts and some Pharisees, they brought a woman right to his feet and they told Jesus, hey, I want you to know that the law of Moses, it commands us, because this woman was just caught in the act, it commands us that we are allowed to stone this woman. They threw her at Jesus' feet, Jesus' teaching, and they look, the law says we can do it. It permits us to do it, but what do you say? And, and according to, to Scripture, Jesus, he looks around and he says, look, if there's anybody here that didn't make a mistake in their life, I want you to be the first one to throw that stone. And, and the Bible says that as they started to hear him, they started to leave little by little until there was no one left. And then Jesus looks at her and he says, where are your accusers now? And she gets, picks up her head, she looks around, and she says, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. But then he says some stuff to her based on information and experience that he had witnessed that really changes the trajectory of your life, my life, and her life as well. See, according to the law of Moses, because of what she had done, they had the right, say, I got the right to stone you. You don't. But they have the right to stone according to the law of Moses. And so for them, culturally, it was proper. It was proper that as they caught her right there, they could stone her. But Jesus says some things, and he tells her right after he says, where are your accusers? She's like, there's none. He goes, neither do I accuse you. And then he tells her to get up and go. And I found that to be astonishing because I'm like, how could you allow her to get away with murder? But what we don't realize is that Jesus has already seen some things in the future, in our future, which, is, which was his present because he exists outside of time. He's seen some things. And so he works. Sorry, uh, Siri was trying to talk to me. He works according to the way that he sees it. And he tells her, go and leave that life of sin. I mean, anybody who could literally look at you and tell you, go and leave that life of sin, they must know something that you and I don't know. And Jesus, at that moment, I, I know that the scripture says that, that there was no one around, but I'm pretty sure there was somebody, right? Because there's always like one of nosy people, right? The cops come, you like looking through your shades, shades are all bent, so we know you're the, the neighborhood 
Neighborhood watch right there. Look at the shades. Broken. <laughs> neighborhood watch. You can walk through a neighborhood. Y'all going to do that today. Walking around. Let me see who's nosy. Yep, there she go right there. I know that's her. So I know there was somebody watching this woman get up, and I'm pretty sure that the way she got up, she, she might have gotten up thinking, like, maybe if I walk 10 yards, somebody might launch a rock at me. Because even when they left, they might be waiting. Like, Jesus ain't looking at I'm going to throw it up in the air. That's what we do, right? Jesus ain't looking. I'm going to throw it up in the air. Hopefully, it'll catch her. So I'm pretty sure her walk was, was awkward and different as she walking away because she just got caught. And she deserved the punishment according to their law. And Jesus says, go and leave that life of sin. And I often think to myself, well, how do you know she's going to go and live that life of sin? Of course he would know that. Or leave that life. I'm sorry, I said lift. Leave that life of sin. How do you know she's going to not go and do the same thing over and over? And I'm pretty sure if I was there, I'd be looking at her like, well, I guess I'll do the same thing too. Because though I should be stoned, I found the guy who will give me a break on what I'm doing. But he wasn't giving her a break. And sorry that I'm spending too much time here. I promise you I'll, I'll keep going. He wasn't giving her a break, but he had witnessed something that they couldn't see. And he knew that at one point in his life, he was going to Golgotha. He was going to that cross. And that woman would be set free from the bondage in her life. See, he only spoke based on what he had experienced. He had already seen it, and so he tells you, you got to hold on. Why? I've already seen it. But then there are more stories. It says, then Jesus spoke again. Say, look at somebody and say, he said it again. Look at them like your kids did it again. Say, he did it again. It says, Jesus spoke again, and he says these words. He says, look, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And, and he says, but will have the light of life. He's uttering these words that make no sense at the time. He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever walks in me, they'll, they'll be able to escape darkness. And the life that they'll have, the, the, the light that they'll have would be their life. And a couple a couple words later, this is what occurs. They say, here you are. Here you go again. Here we go. Just did it at the temple courts. Now you're doing it again. And they're like, look, here you are appearing as your own witness. And they look at him and say, your testimony is so not valid. You're talking about you're the light of the world and whoever follows you. And, and, and I don't hear nobody else saying it. It's only you. And they're like, your testimony is not valid. So he responds like this to them because he's seen some stuff. And he says, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. According to the law you follow, the testimony of two witnesses is true. And he says, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness, he says, is my father who sent me. So it's not just me saying it because he's seen some stuff. He's like, look, I am my own witness. But the other person who's also who also can testify that I am the light of the world and anyone who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life upon them. I can bear witness to that. But the other witness that I have is my father who sent me. Then a couple words later, he continued again, say, there we go again. 
man, say it loud and proud. Say, there we go again. This way I can hurry up with my sermon. But then he continued, and he's talking to them, and there are all these conversations that are taking place. And look at what he says. He's still uttering some things that make no sense because he's witnessed some stuff. He's seen some things. And he's trying to encourage you and I. He's trying to encourage them. And look at what he says. It says that he continued, and he says, look, you are from below. But I am from above. You are of this world, but I am not of this world. Yet they did not understand this. They didn't understand. He was trying to get them to, to, to see. You, you guys keep focusing on what you see around you, what you've witnessed, what you've heard. But I am telling you, I come from a distant land. I come from a place before places. I come from the beginning. I was there before it all began. I seen some stuff. I'm not from here. And so we go to John chapter 8, verse 31, and he starts talking. Say with me again. So let's go ahead and read this so I could dive in and finish. Say amen when you got it. And then it says here, Verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, say, if you hold it, other translation might say abide, which also means to remain, stay, or wait. If you wait on my word, if you abide in my teaching, if you immerse yourself in that place, and he says, if you hold to, to my teaching, not I can't get past this comma because that's important. Not if you hold on to other people's advice. Not if you hold on to the trends of this world and, oh, our world is changing, and so we got to change. Before this wasn't acceptable, now it's acceptable, so we got to be cool with it. If you hold on to my teaching, he says. Why? I've seen some stuff. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus has witnessed some stuff, and so he may say things to you that sound crazy, but they're not. He's been there before. And he says, if you hold on to my teaching, he says, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and he says, the truth will set you free. If you hold on to it, you are my disciples, and you're going to know the truth. And guess what, guys? That truth is going to set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. They didn't get it. We ain't never been slaves to anyone. We came from Abraham. And, he said, and they say, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And he says, now a slave they have no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Everybody who sins is a slave to it. A son, a slave has no place in the family, but he says a son, a son belongs to it forever. And he says, so if the son sets you free, he's referring to himself. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Can I get an amen for that? Not if you do it, but if he does it. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. 
They had no space in their heart for his word because he was uttering some things that made no sense. But what they didn't realize is that he was talking the way that he was talking because he bore witness to some stuff in your life and in his life that you have no idea about. And look at what happens in verse 38. I love verse 38. It says, I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence. I'm telling you what I saw in my father's presence. And you are doing what you've heard from your father. Now this is important. Because they say that we came from Abraham. And Abraham was our father. And when he was saying father here, he wasn't talking about Abraham. You could read that later on as you finish reading John chapter 8, My Faithful Stewards. And you keep reading past 38, and you'll know exactly what he was talking about. But he says, I'm telling you what I have seen and what I've witnessed in the presence of my father. But you are doing what you've seen or what you've heard from your father. I'm doing what I've seen, and you are doing what you've heard. And Jesus is like, I know that. You came from Abraham because that was your argument. We came from Abraham. We're not slaves. What are you talking about, dude? You're confused. And he's like, I know that you came from Abraham. And the problem is not that you came from Abraham. The problem is that you are rejecting my word. And I am the only one. Say, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who could set you free. This is the message that Jesus is trying to get them to understand. I am the only one who has the ability to set you free, yet you are so focused on what you heard from your father. And Jesus goes on to utter these words, and I love this, because he's like, I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence, and right there and then Jesus is confessing where he was. At one point in time in his life, he's like, I'm, te I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence. I was literally there, yet you are doing and you are living what you've heard from your Father. Before you go on and read, can I tell you who your Father was? Not your Father. But as Jesus was talking to them, how many of you know, in case you might have known this, but you weren't paying attention to it, or it wasn't at your forefront, or you were just super religious and not you but people that you that you've like put it behind you but it still exists how many of you know that there is a prince of this world that wants to see you destroyed raise your hand if you know this raise your hand it's important that we know this i'm talking about the enemy right it's something that we often don't like to talk about but it really exists it's true there's an enemy in this world that wants to see you completely destroyed and I know that the words of Jesus, they sound harsh, but Jesus was the only one qualified to speak like this because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. And so he knew what he was talking about because freedom hadn't come yet because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. And he's like, look, the fact that you don't accept my word showed me who your father is. But, but Jesus wasn't saying this to ridicule them. He understood that you can't accept my words, not until I do what I need to do. It's a different language when he speaks to us today, but right there in that time, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. And so he's like, look, the fact that you can't, my words can't sit in your heart and they don't make, they don't make sense to you, it proves to me who you've been listening to. 
Say amen. My words don't sit well with you. I'm telling you what I've witnessed. And I often realize that that still happens today. I often realize that sometimes God's words, his word doesn't often sit well with us all the time. And sometimes when the word of God isn't sitting well with you, it often, it's often a depiction of who you've been listening to. How many of you know that you don't take all advice? Right? There's some advice you're like, no. Right? Somebody tells you something, you're like, no. Be careful not to have that same attitude when it comes to Jesus. Because he may ask you to do some things that seem uncomfortable. But he'll never tell you based on knowledge. He'll only tell you based on experience. And he's like, you're doing and you're living what you've seen your father do. And, and this is what I feel like Christ is trying to tell the crowd and what he's still trying to communicate to us. And he's trying to tell us, look, I know what he says. And he's referring to the enemy. I know what he says, whether it's through culture whether it's through your own voice that you're speaking to you, whether it's through your depression or whether it's through some struggles or whether it's through like your friends or whether it's through people on the outside or it can come from TV or it can come from like the noise that you're hearing on the outside. He's like, look, I know what he is communicating to you. Not only do I know what he's communicating to you, but I also know that, that some of that stuff, because you ever heard somebody say something to you and it really makes sense, but when you thought about it a day later, you're like, that don't make sense. Like someone gave you some real solid advice and you heard it and you're like, yo, you're smart. And you walked away and after your emotions like settled, you're like, yo, that was the dumbest thing I've heard. And so, and so here Jesus is like, look, look, I know that he's saying some things to you. And guess what? Sometimes people can say some things to you and life can give you some signals and things can happen. And it may make all the sense in the world. Sometimes, sometimes you'll read, you, you ever met people who read something and they're like, yo, I think God was talking to me. I read something on a bulletin on the highway and God was telling me. But sometimes you'll hear some stuff. And you'll be around some stuff, and it makes all the sense in the world. And Christ is like, look, I know that what he has said to you makes a lot of sense, but I am here to tell you that what I have seen concerning you and what I have seen concerning myself, it disqualifies and it nullifies and it removes and it cancels everything that you heard that's against what I've seen. And God's like, I know that it may sound true. I know that the prince of this world who is often disguised as the busyness of life, I know that the prince of this world who may often be disguised as our modern day culture, I know that he says some things and he's told you that I've forgotten about you. And I know that the prince of this world may have told you that I'm too busy for you. And I know that the prince of this world, because he doesn't come like, this ain't spooky, he doesn't come like the prince of this world. He can come in all types of facets. He could come from the advices that you're getting from solid people in your life that have the best intentions, but they didn't witness what Jesus saw. 
Sometimes people have the best intentions in your life, but unless they bore witness to Jesus' miracles, unless they bore witness to his possibilities, and their advice could clash with what he's trying to tell you. And he's like, look, I know that the prince of this world may have told you or may have stuck in your mind that you know something, I, I can't, I ain't got time for God right now because I got to worry about me first. I know the prince of this world has probably uttered to your mind and to your heart that my family comes first before my relationship with God. I got to first fix what's down here and then I could bring the whole unit upstairs. I know that the prince of this world, he's, he's, he's always telling you every time you have a church experience or you have like a spiritual experience and somebody says something that gives you power and you walk away and you are down again, I know that he reminds you, look, his stuff don't work. I know that he's telling you that, that, that oftentimes you are wasting time, but what I have seen, it will disqualify all things, even when it makes sense, it will disqualify all common sense. Even my boss says this a lot. He's like, look, math don't lie, so he loves numbers. Even when you've added all the numbers and you brought all the math experts and they all made a lot of sense, Jesus says, even when it makes sense to the T. What I have witnessed disqualifies all of it. All of it. How many of you know that hearing something, right, hearing something and, and seeing something is completely different? How many of you know that? Hearing something and seeing something is completely different. That's why when you hear about what people say about you, you got to cancel that. We say, like, I know it's different, but then you hear something, you react to it. When somebody talks about you, and somebody has an opinion about you, there is a difference between what you've heard and what you've seen. And isn't it funny when someone tries to argue with you, and this may not have happened to you, but it's happened to me before, but isn't it funny when somebody tries to argue with you because of what they heard, although you were there and you witnessed it? You're like, I'm telling you, I was right there. No, so-and-so told me this is how it went down. And you're like, no, but I was right there. Like, she swung at me, and I, I went back. They didn't tell you that they swung back. I went back, and I sat down. But, but they're like, no, but she told me this is how it happened. Isn't it funny? But there's a difference between what you see and what you hear. And this is why, could you imagine if you and I went to court, and they called you um, as a witness to the stand, and your whole testimony was based on what you heard? Your whole testimony was based on that. I heard that so-and-so did this, and they're like, were you there? No, but I heard it. As a matter of fact, I heard about 500 people. I, I heard that they said this about her or this about him. And could you imagine if, you're, if, you're, if, if, if your whole basis for the case was based on information, not that you witnessed, but what you heard? And this is why, right, a witness a witness who is present, this is why their case is so credible. This is why when you bring a witness to the stand and what they're telling you is like, well, give me your story, and they tell you that they were an eyewitness, 
Yo, it changes the game. It changes your case. If anybody's going to court in the recent day, no. It changes everything. It changes everything. An eyewitness will change anything and everything. Why? Because they are the only ones qualified to say exactly what happened because they were present. Say, they're the only ones qualified. They're the only ones who can testify to what happened. So here's what I want you to know. Here's a secret. Whisper to somebody and say, here's a secret. If you're going to believe something that somebody said about you in your life, believe the one who was present from the beginning, not the one who is whispering in your ear about things he or she heard. If you're ever going to believe something about your life, you know when someone doesn't know you, but they got the wrong intentions about you, right? And they start saying what they heard about you, and they treat you the way that they heard. And I know this is not exactly what Jesus was talking about, but they were trying to find a way to kill him because they heard some things about Jesus, not because they knew who he was. And he was like, you're trying to kill me. You are doing what you heard, and I am telling you what I bore witness to. If you're ever going to hear some things in your life concerning you and let some things get under your skin and let it bother you, make sure that the person who is saying it isn't whispering some information that he got from six people a couple days prior to, or he took off Facebook or Instagram or whatever other chat you are involved in. TikTok, I don't matter. Whatever you're involved in. Make sure that if you are going to listen to someone, you listen to someone who's been there from the beginning. And that's why I love the end of verse 38 where he's like, look, I've seen it. And I could imagine Jesus seeing it. It's actually found in John chapter 1. It says that in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word, he says, and the word was with God. He's referring to himself and he says, look, I was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And it says he was with God in the beginning and through, all, all, through him all things were made and nothing that was made or, or without him, nothing was made that has been made without him. And then a couple verses down, it says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And I need you to imagine the scenery here in John chapter 1. I need you to imagine this scenery this morning because what he's trying to tell you is not based on information. He's trying to expose something to you. He's trying to share something with you, something that he has witnessed. And he's, this is why he says, you do and you, 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 you walk and you act in things that you've heard, but I am telling you what I've witnessed. I want you to know this morning that the life of Jesus, say, say to somebody, the life of Jesus. It's the wrong way. I want, you to, I, want it, I want you to know that Jesus' life is not based upon what he has heard. He only, say with me, only. This is powerful. He only bases his life on what he saw. 
It's never based on information that he has heard, and that's a good thing. Because how many of you know that there are people who will pray to God about you, about some stuff they heard and saw in a bad way. But he never responds or reacts to you or to anything in this life based on what he heard. He will only react and respond and live his life according to what he saw. And I want to show it to you as we start closing up. It's found in John chapter 5. And I want you to know that he doesn't, think about this before we go there. He doesn't live his life based on what he heard. That's why he could go to the cross. Even though he heard the things that we said about him. That's why he could be there, up there, and even when they're mocking him and they're laughing at him and they're making all of these jokes, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because he does not react to what he hears. That's why scripture says that he was able to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. There was some power and some authority that Jesus had experienced in his life that could cause him to go to the cross, although he heard some negative things about him. Look at John chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, and I promise you I don't have that much time left. Give me like 30 minutes, minus 20. And it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he what? Can somebody say it loud? Jesus gave them the answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he what? He could only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Could you imagine if your children only did what they saw you do? That put a lot of pressure on you, right? Some kids do. You be at home like, and they start doing the same thing. Bullies are usually bullies because they're getting bullied. But could you imagine if your kids never paid attention to what you said when you were angry? Could you imagine if they only looked at you and your voice was mute and they couldn't see anything that you said and all they could do is watch your movements, watch how you are with your spouse, watch how you are with the church, watch how you are with your friends, watch how you are with your coworkers, watch how you conduct yourself. And they looked at you and said, I want to be just like that. I want to do the same thing. I only do what my father or mother does. I never do what they say. Because we know that actions speak louder than what? Words. That's why Jesus could say some things like, here's why I know you don't know my father. Because if you knew me, you would know him because I only do what I see him do. That's how I know you don't know the father. And he says here, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father is doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now watch how it gets better. It says, for the father loves the son and does what? He shows him all that he does. I mean, I didn't realize up until this point that their whole relationship was a literary show and tell. It's a you do and I do. You do and I do. 
That's why when, when, when Jesus would be doing certain things, because the Jewish people, they have certain regulations and rules, and you can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus was working on the Sabbath, and they didn't understand him. They're looking at him like, yo, why are you breaking our laws? And he's like, look, I apologize, but my father is always working, and so am I. My father never stops, and, and I apologize, but I, I could only do what I, what I witnessed him do. That's why when they, when, when they said some things and they accused him, he didn't care about that. I, I only do what I see him do. Which, which tells me a lot about the father if you know the son. Because if the son is doing everything about the father, then whatever you've read about the father prior to the son was false. Because the father is just like the son and the son is just like the father. They were there at the beginning. They kind of complement one another. That's why if you've seen me, you've seen my father. I would love that picture for my kids. Like for someone to walk and look at me, not because of my appearance, but they say, I know that's, I know your son is Lenny and Jaden and Nathan because y'all act the same. You are just as kind and just as polite and you're so respectful and you're so X, Y, and Z. I'm just tooting my own horn, but you're so, you're so, you know, it'd be nice, right? If like parent-teacher conference, you walked in and by your presence, by your glow, the teachers were automatically mad. I'm like living in a whole nother world, right? <laughs> teachers like, John, that's his father right there. There you go, Fadi, that's her daughter. Could you imagine that though? I know it, it seems weird in our world, but not in God's world. They hated him because he compared himself exactly to the father. And he had no choice because he was like, look, there really is no different if you meet the big guy. I'm exactly like him. But let me finish. Let me finish because I, I don't have that much time, so I'm going I'm to blow through this. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. And it says, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it and that's why when we read in John chapter 31 and he was talking to them and he says if you hold on to my teaching if you hold on to my ways if you hold on to what I got to say because I've seen some stuff you will be set free why if the father can do it so can the son according to the word if the father can do it and so Jesus he's not giving us this hopeful information he's telling us his experience that he came from the Father, and he's witnessed some freedom. And if we learn to hold on to the word of God, say the word of God. Now, I know that some of you are probably literally thinking that, like, you got to walk around with your Bible like this, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everything that God says about you. And not just what he says about you. I think we often only want to hold on to what he says about you, but everything he just says. Like all truth is his truth. His truth is all truth. Even when it doesn't make sense, even, even when it doesn't make sense, if you just hold on to the word of God, he says it will bring you freedom. And so he's telling you if we learn to hold on to the word of God, it will set us free. Not just, not, not, not metaphorically or hypothetically or just emotionally, it will set you free spiritually. Spiritually. How many of you know that his word has power? And I'm closing up right now, so don't worry. Two minutes, you guys will be ready. His word has power, and it will do what it sets out to do. His word, his command, his ways, 
that often go unnoticed and often go untapped and we often just like, you know, kind of put it to the side. And I know that God wants me to walk this way. And I know that he loves me. And I know that, and I know that this is what he says concerning people and concerning life. And I know what he said. I've heard it. I've heard countless of sermons. I've, I've heard countless of Bible studies. And I know, and I know that he's with me. And I know that he hasn't forsaken me. But then life says, yes, he has. He's been forsaking you. As a matter of fact, he's nowhere near you. God's like, you got to hold on to my word. You have to hold on to it. And life is telling you, but look, he said he'll heal you, and there's no healing, and the expiration date has already come, and you're past that, and God's like, you got to hold on to my word. Why? I know the power that it has. Isaiah chapter 55, 11, one of my all-time favorite verse says it like this about his word. He says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I've sent it. That's what my word does. My word of freedom, it accomplishes what I've sent it to do. My word of grace, it accomplishes what I set it to do. My word of authority, it accomplished what I said. My word of breakthrough, it will accomplish what I said it will do. My word of salvation, it will accomplish what I sent it to do. My word of love, it will accomplish. And life gets in the way, and, and sometimes you're looking at what he says and what they say and what he says and what I saw and what he says and what I hear, and it doesn't make sense, and it seems like he's losing. But he's like, look, I've been there from the beginning, and I saw the power of my father. I've witnessed how he can save humanity by one choice. I've seen him do it. And so what is God's word telling you this morning? He's saying, hold on and don't let go. I don't care what you're struggling with. And I don't mean that in an insensitive way. If you're going to struggle, struggle to hold on to God. Life's already going to give you a fight, right? You're, you're already going to be at a tug of war whether you, whether you serve God or you never serve God in your life. Life's already going to give you a tug of war because it comes so unexpected and it comes with no respect. And it could care less how much money you got and it could care less how much people you got. And it really doesn't matter about your resources. It doesn't care about your skin complexion and it doesn't care about your nationality and it doesn't care about your political views. Life will come at you hard. It's like storms. Storms don't come and say, hey, you guys in Florida, you guys are okay? You guys, you guys in Texas, you guys are good because I got some winds, but if you don't want it to come, I won't bring it. When the storm is going to come, it's going to blow anything and everything and everyone that's in its way. And so if you're already going to struggle, don't hold on to what you heard. Hold on to what he saw. Don't hold on to what you heard. Hold on to what he saw. Abide in my word, for they are life to those who hold it. Can I read like one more Bible verse? I know that you guys are tired of the Bible verses, but if you hold on to my word, and I love this, and I'm closing, promise you, it's the last time I'm going to say closing. I'm about to shut the door. But he says, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. You know, it's a sidebar. You know, when I used to read that before, I'm like, Dag, I got to first remain in him 
so that he could remain in me. And if I don't remain in him, he won't remain in me. But I don't believe that's what it says. I think that when you remain in, in him, you start to realize that he remains in you. Because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't read, remain in me so that I can remain in you. It says, remain in me as I. If you read it backwards and it's the proper way to see it, what he's saying is, I've always remained in you. Just remain in me. Remain in me as I remain in you. I've already been remaining you, so remain in me. And then he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And he says, if you do not remain in me, I love this. I know it sounds bad, but I love it. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And it says such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. He's not trying to tell you that that's who you are. That's usually who you think you are when you don't remain in him. Because people will pick you up and just toss you. And they'll break you down. Because you'll seem like, man, I'm all alone and God's not with me. And he's like, no, that's false. If you remain in me, I, as I remain in you, man, you'll see some things. You won't be tossed around. You'll actually be bearing fruit in and out of season. It really doesn't matter. There will be some growth in you. Why? Because in me there's life. Not in people's words. Not in people's thoughts. In me there's life. And if you, if you remain in me, as I remain in you, he's trying to get you to do what he's already been doing. If you remain in me, as I remain in you, man, you'll be able to produce some things in your life you thought you could never do. If you remain in me. And he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my father's, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Can you guys stand with me? What I want you to know this morning, according to God's word, is that his word, not your will power, will set you free. His word, not your willpower. His word, not your strength. His word, not your intellect. His word, not your creativity, will set you free. His word. It will set you free from all of the things that the enemy has tried in your life countless of times that he won't stop trying to do to destroy you, to make you feel like you are alone and left out and abandoned and that God isn't with you or that you can't do it or that God says, it's okay, just keep doing your dirt and just keep walking with God because he really don't care about you like that. He'll do just like the woman told her to just go, just keep, just keep living your life in adultery. And, and, and the enemy will try to confuse you and he'll try to confuse you even by telling you to stay with him. He'll try to confuse you. And you need to know this. You got to know this. Because if you know this, you'll stop attacking one another. And you realize that my fight is not against flesh and blood. That's not my fight. We may not always see eye to eye. That's not my fight. My fight's not against my kids or against my friends or against my spouse or against my neighbor. That's not my fight. 
And so his word, not your will, power, will create freedom in your life. It will free you from a lot of stuff. And when, you, when you've been used to walking around with a lot of weight and somebody takes your baggage, doesn't it feel good? Like you start with the neck area, you're like, ah, my shoulders were like. And, and that's what God wants to do in your life. In your life. And so he says, hold on. I've seen it and I know it to be true and it will set you free. Hold on to my words. If you can close your eyes, I want to pray with you this morning.